Dear God, Lord, uh, we ask that you would help us to uh, capture any thoughts that you have for each one of us this morning, and then that we would subsequently uh, be able to put them into, uh, implement them in our lives. We ask that in the beautiful name of your Son. Amen. What a beautiful name. You know, when Mary and Joseph uh, lived in Egypt, probably in the Delta region of the Nile, and then later on in Nazareth, Mary might have leaned out the back door on many days and said something like this, Yeshua, please tell your father that lunch is ready. And Yeshua, would you remember to wash your hands? Yeshua, connected with the Hebrew verb to rescue, to deliver. You know, Mark records 15 uh, incidents where Jesus rescued or delivered or helped people in some fashion. And that's in addition to generic statements like, he cast out many demons in this region, or he healed many people over in this village. 15 specific incidents. 12 of those were in response to requests. Okay, so for the numbers people, the request to response ratio or rescue ratio was 80%. Now here we are 2,000 years later. Do any of us have problems today? Are we beyond that now? I don't think so. Do we still have to ask most of the time? Well, you know, you might get help automatically. If my car uh, catches on fire, especially if it's spectacular, in front of the local fire station, I probably won't have to ask for help. In fact, I'll probably feel like I'm water cannon bombarding me or something, right? But I think it's probably still true. Most of the time, we still have to ask. So how well do you do, or do I do, at asking for help. Am I too proud sometimes? Or do I have the opposite problem? My ego is so fragile that if somebody said no to my ask, even for a good reason, I would be you know, somehow devastated. Or do I just want to avoid the feeling of obligation? You know, if somebody helps me, then I'll feel I'll have to, uh, you know, help them, even if it's not a convenient time. I'd probably help them anyway, right? But I don't want that feeling of obligation. Or do I just want to solve it by myself? You know, it's like a reality puzzle in real life. Paul was working on a roof one day cleaning out the eaves trough, getting the leaves out so that the next time there was a thunderstorm, the thing would flow properly. He was working on the street side of the house. It was a windy day. Heard a noise out from the back side of the house. Kept on going. Finished the job. Yep, now I can tick that off in my, you know, to-do box for the day. Walks over to the back side of the roof, to the ladder. No ladder. There it is. It's just like the cartoons, right? There it is on the ground. The wind blew it over. What to do? What to do? Uh, See, if I jump down, it's 10 feet. 
I'm landing on patio stones here, not grass. Don't like that. Okay, if I hang off the eaves trough, now it's only four feet, but I'm still landing on patio stones. And now I've got to do some kind of backwards roll or something, which I haven't practiced. And I'll probably thunk my head on the rocks and break the rocks. <laughs> or something. Nobody in the backyard. Go out to the front of the house. Nobody out here either. Okay, well, I guess I'll just sit down on the roof and wait for somebody to come. And, oh, yeah, my wife, bad news is she's not around. She's out shopping or whatever wives do. Good news is she doesn't know about the bad news. I'll just have to wait. A couple minutes later, later, a young lady comes along on the sidewalk on the far side of the street Excuse me, excuse me. Yes? Could you do me a favor, please? Clever boy. He, used, he avoided the four-letter word that starts with H for help. What do you need? Uh, my ladder blew down in the backyard. Could you come around and, you know, stand it up? Young lady comes around. Yes, she can stand it up. Thank you, God. Thank you so much, miss. I so appreciate this. And now you've got a story to tell your family when you get home. Thank you, God, that I got out of this jam. And thank you that I don't know this young lady. And thank you even more that my wife probably doesn't either. (coughs) How many of us think that we can go through this life or even through this week without asking someone, somewhere, Someday for help with something. Four sums there. Anybody think they can do that? You know, life is unpredictable, isn't it? It's an adventure, especially for a Christian, but it's unpredictable. Anybody think they can get through life with, or, with the next week without asking for help? Nobody? Either do I. That makes it anonymous. But we're still going to reinforce this anyway. And now, if I could have yes. I want each one of you to pick a partner, somebody beside you, left or the right, or front, tap on the shoulder, or turn around and say this, and I'm going to say it to someone in the front row, which will be Christine. So each on your own time, just say that to somebody. should probably mute this thing or something, but I will probably have to ask someone, somebody, somewhere, or something. Thank you. Very good. Give yourselves a hand. Given that reality... Are we able to expand our asking skill set? You know, can we get better at asking sooner? Love this 13 font. That's why I printed that out. This morning we are going to experience two asking demos. We're going to join the crowd on the beach. We're going back into uh, Mark, the good news according to Mark in chapter 5. And we're jumping in right at verse 21 where Kevin left off. 
Verse 21. If you can put that up, please. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Okay, this is asking demo number one. Jairus, he's a synagogue ruler. He's more than just a solid citizen, folks. He's a leader in his community. But what does he do? Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Okay. Social status is out the window. Pride is out the back door. This is Papa's princess we're talking about here, folks. She's only 12 years old. We're going to find out a little later. Notice the faith. Just come and put your hands on her, and she will be healed. I love that. Okay, verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, can you imagine that, 12 years? I'll tell you, I couldn't imagine that until 2001. I injured my rotator cuff in my right shoulder, just slightly, nothing compared to what this woman had. But it was five years before I could sleep on that side again. Verse 26. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd, and he asked... Who touched me? Sorry, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Okay, asking demo number two. This time we have a lady. Her social status is presumably lower for a couple of reasons. Number one, she's a woman 
and they generally did not enjoy the same level of prestige in that culture. Although my understanding is that they had better prestige than in all the cultures around them at the time. Strike two, she has this bleeding condition. The issue here is that it makes her ceremonially unclean, according to the Jewish laws and traditions of the time. Which means whatever women were allowed to do in or around the synagogue, she probably couldn't do. And perhaps more to the point, her family and her near friends probably couldn't touch her or perhaps even be in the same room as she was the day of the Sabbath or the 24 hours ahead or whatever it was. So she was a part-time social outcast for 12 years. Strike three, she's poor. She spent all she had on many doctors. But look at her faith. It's just like the faith of Jairus, the other fella. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, we have nothing to indicate that that lady could have uh, contacted Jesus sooner. She waited 12 years. She tried many doctors first. But she probably used the first opportunity that she had to uh, to talk to Jesus, to touch his clothes. But how about you and me? How long do we wait before we ask for things? You know, uh, do we try too hard to be self-sufficient? Do we uh, try everything we can think of and a few more things we probably shouldn't think of? And then finally, beyond all that, do we then ask God to help? And then beyond, beyond, do we then ask a friend after all that even? Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, that's to the lady, you recall, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, your daughter is dead, D-E-A-D, dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. Just believe. Okay, you know, I imagine that Jairus just in uh, thought of uh, asking demo number two with the lady as an interruption to asking demo number one, where he's trying to get Jesus from the beach over to his house so he can heal his daughter. But, you know, from what we read here, there's no way that Jairus and Jesus could have walked from the beach to Jairus's house before his daughter died anyway. The amount of time it took for that interruption, if that's what it was, with the lady wouldn't have made any difference. So what Jairus probably viewed as an interruption was just a beautiful example of God's mercy and love and care for us. Because just think about this. Yes, he had a strong faith. Just come and put your hand on my daughter and she'll be healed. But now we've got a doubt hump in the way. She's dead. Okay? But I think 
seeing what happened to that woman, you know, he's in the, uh, what, what we call it, he's uh, having a heavy-duty workout in the gymnasium of faith here, right? Seeing what happened to that woman is giving him the extra faith to, yes, maybe he can do it. So what, you know, what we sometimes do is an interruption, you know, because we ask God for something, we've got a kind of an agenda in our mind of how it would best be done. God doesn't always do it the way we picture it, does he? Not the way I picture it anyway. But you know, and we don't always see it this side of heaven, but often God's agenda and the way he does it and the sequence he does it is better than anything that we could have thought or imagined, as Kevin often says, right? And so this is a beautiful example of that. Okay, where are we here? Verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Now, Jesus knew the child was dead. He didn't think that those men that came from Jairus' house to the beach were lying. He knew the child was dead. But he also knew the child wasn't going to stay dead, right? Praise God. Verse 40, but they laughed at him. Who's laughing at him? The new crowd at the house. The old crowd at the beach Jesus didn't allow to come to the house. The new crowd of the house are laughing. But do you think the old crowd would have laughed if they had got to the house? I don't think so. Because they saw that woman healed. Okay? They knew something about Jesus and God that the new crowd didn't know. You know, time spent with Jesus is never wasted, is it? Never. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father, mother, and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Okay, mom, dad, papa's princess, Jesus, and the three disciples who came with them. Seven people in the room. Verse 41. He took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Any Aramaic scholars, I apologize for any mispronunciation. Uh, in there. Verse 42. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. You know, Jesus was a, what would you call it, a holistic healer. He wasn't just concerned about people's spiritual condition, if you can use the word just in a phrase like that. He was also interested in their physical well-being, wasn't he? And he's an intimate healer. He took her by the hand and helped her get up. And then he said, give her something to eat. She's 12 years old. She's in her growth spurt.
Now I've got to find my place here. Okay. You know, you've heard it said in sports and in uh, competitive situations and even in conflict scenarios, it isn't over till it's over. <coughs> well, with Jesus, even when it's over, it isn't over. Right? He raised her from the dead. You know, when you're walking with Jesus... The Jesus hiking trail doesn't stop at the grave. It goes right on through and up. How would you like to, to be the public affairs officer with the Jesus ministry team? Is Steve here? No, I think he's up in Kid Zone. You know, Jairus, a leading citizen in that area of Galilee, Jesus raises his daughter from the dead. Okay, Jesus, let's get this on the front page of the Jerusalem Herald, right? Instead of having crowds of a hundred or a few thousand, we'll have tens of thousands. Even Rome will take notice. Well, maybe that would not be such a good idea. What does Jesus do? Forbids the crowd at the beach to come to the house. Crowd number two at the house, he kicks them out, except for the seven people in the room. And then what does he tell the people in the room? You recall, he said, don't tell anybody. Okay, now... In my mind, the first time that Papa's princess goes outside the house, the news is going to go around like wildfire. But Jesus did everything he could to put a lid on publicity in that case, whereas I would have had it on the front page of the Jerusalem Herald as his PAO, right? Public affairs officer. Look at the situation with the lady. Just another person in the crowd has kind of a private issue, really, sweetie. And in fact, she makes a very private request. Just her and Jesus knew about it. What does Jesus do? He turns it into a public event. Who did it? Who, who touched me? Turns it into a public event. Now, I, I would have said, okay, if necessary, let's put you know, two lines on the back of the Nazareth post or whatever. I would have had it totally wrong as a PAO working with the Jesus ministry team. We'll let Steve Outhouse figure out that. He can probably uh, sort it out better than I could. Do you or I need to ask Jesus for rescue or deliverance or help or even just assistance today or maybe in this coming week? You know, are we somehow stuck on the roof somewhere in our life, either with a health issue or uh, with relational conflict or with some disappointment or uh, disaster in our inner life? Do you or I ever wonder if Jesus used up all his healing power 2,000 years ago? You know, it had a half-life of 1,000 years, and now all is, it's decayed down to almost nothing. Or maybe Jesus retired from his caregiver role. Maybe he doesn't care about people anymore. Or is he just too far away now to hear us? Too far away. Let's just talk geography here for a moment. 
Who traveled farther for these two encounters that we've been talking about this morning? Jairus, the woman, or Jesus? Mark doesn't tell us how far it was from the beach to Jairus' house, and he doesn't tell us how far it was from the beach to the lady's house. But he does tell us that Jesus just sailed across the Sea of Galilee from the Decapolis, the uh, Gentile region on the east bank of the Sea of Galilee, back over to the west, west bank, Galilee, where the uh, Jewish uh, community was. That's at least 10 kilometers, even if there's no north-south component to that. And he had just previously done the, the opposite trip. So he just sailed about 20 kilometers for these two encounters. Is Jesus not the ultimate first responder? Is he not the ideal um, model paramedic of choice? You know, he does beach calls. We just saw that. He does house calls. Other places we read, he does synagogue calls. He does boat calls. He does anywhere and everywhere calls. You know, scholars calculate that Jesus and his disciples and the other men and the other ladies who were part of his ministry teams walked about 5,000 kilometers during his three years of ministry. Full-time ministry, we would call that, I guess. And that may not include, you know, cruise voyages on the Sea of Galilee like we were just talking about. And it certainly didn't include the gazillions of spiritual kilometers he traveled to come from heaven down to earth and walk this planet as a boy and then later on as a man. And why did he do that, my friends? To show us the mind and the heart of God more clearly than it had been revealed up to that time. And important as that journey was, the off-ramp was even more important. He died voluntarily a horrific death for my screw-ups, my mistakes, all the evil, wrong things I've done, thoughts, words, deeds, and yours as well. And you know what really blows me away? He would have done that for just me or just you or just you or just you. Just one person, he would have done that. You know, when I first got through my head that, this, that Christianity is a love relationship, not a religion, was when somehow someone got through my head that, hey, he would have done it just for me, one person. Even before Jesus walked on the planet as a man, God has always been near. He's always been all around us. At least three centuries before Jesus came, the psalmist wrote under the inspiration of God in Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Verse 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. 
He hears their cry and he saves them. Jesus gave a little update to that idea uh, as recorded in Matthew verse 7, cha- sorry, chapter 7, verse 7. Quote, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. God is near, the door is near. He always moves farther than we do for an encounter with the living God. God, I don't believe in you. My God doesn't include Jesus. God, I don't know if you exist. I'm going to do my own thing. God, can you come back in a couple of years when I get that promotion? God, my studies are number one. I've got to hold on to these scholarships. God, my young children are number one right now. Maybe when they get into school, I'll have time for you. I said I believe a long time ago. I've got my, my passport to heaven in my back pocket. Is there something more? God, I go to church every week for three hours, including travel time. Is there something we need to talk about in the other 165 hours? God, are you really there? Do you really exist? God, would you even look or listen to me? I've made so many mistakes. I've said so many bad things. I've ridiculed you. God, I've messed up my life. I've messed up the life of those that are close to me. Help me. God, what's the pure purpose of going on any farther? What's the use? Jesus, did you really come to earth as a man? Did you really die for me? It's unbelievable, unbelievable, but I want to believe it. I think I'm starting to believe it. Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. Save me, I pray. God, I want to live with you. I don't want to go on alone any longer. God, help me to learn more about you. I want to do life with you. God, help me to tell my wife. Help me to tell my children. Help me to tell my friends what life with you is about. Would the uh, worship team please come forward? Shall we pray just for a moment as we're doing that?
Dear God, Lord, help us to approach you. Help us to uh, do the ask. And we ask for that in the beautiful name of your Son. Amen.